Welcome back to the Hemingway List, Year of War and Peace, to talk about Book 1, Chapter 11 of War and Peace. Discussion prompts straight into it. Vera seems to take being dismissed in stride. These discussion prompts, by the way, are courtesy of user 7 of 9. Um, I've borrowed them from last year's discussion. Uh, apparently, she doesn't feel the slightest offence, then proceeds to antagonise her younger sisters until they leave the room while they mock her. Why is she so calm in the face of such belittling derision? Also, in an earlier chapter, Prince Vasily has the thought that influence in society is a capital that must be used sparingly lest it disappear. Anna seems to be using her influence a great deal, trying to give her son the start of a successful military career. Do you think her influence will disappear? Will she be able to properly send off her son Boris before it does? And Count Rostova asks Boris to invite Pierre to dinner despite the recent scandal in Moscow. Will Pierre come to dinner? How do you think he would be received? How might he behave if he does? I think it was because... I think Count Rostov seems to um, like uh, Pierre. Because he really loved that anecdote, didn't he, about the whole bear thing. And then he says... He says he likes her because, um, because, what did he say? Because he, he danced with the kids last time he was there. So I think he's like a family friend. They, they tend to like him. Grumpy Shakespearean said this, Poor Vera, her eldest daughter, clearly not the favourite. The contrast between the playful, strict tone the Countess uses for Natasha and the way she tells Vera to leave them alone is horrible. The insinuation that Vera doesn't ever understand anything stung me on Vera's behalf. She then goes and bullies the younger children who are mean in return. She's quite cold and I would guess that's far more nurture than nature. She is quite cold to them and she bullies them. It's not necessary, but at the same time, she kind of has a point. Like, she's she's got a point, but she probably shouldn't say it because, you know, it's pretty easy to have a point over children just mucking around being kids, right? You know, you know, there's no point getting all high and mighty when you point out that they're doing something stupid. Because they're kids. <laughs> um, but she does kind of have a point that they've got all these secrets and and this kind of stuff. And it's just, you know, they're being childish is, I think, all she's trying to say. Uh, we don't know what Princess Anna's lawsuit is about, right? I'm intrigued, says Grumpy Shakespearean. Her influence is clearly waning. She can't even get Boris the job she wants him to have. Didn't, didn't she already get him the job she wants him to have? Uh, I don't know if her influence will, influence will disappear entirely, but it's certainly not what it was. I think the problem now she is she's got him the job that she wanted him to have, but she can't afford the provisions necessary to send him off for that job. I think they've got to buy their own uniform, uh, and she can't afford it. Uh, Pierre, I like him. I suspect he will inadvertently cause a fuss at this dinner, like when he did when we first met him. But the ladies seem to be at least somewhat amused by his bear story, so I hope they will not treat him poorly. Pierre's the best. I love Pierre. My favourite character, I think. Warren Kovofi said, Has it been explained how she is a widow? From her conversation with Prince Vasily, her husband had clout in the military, so this leads me to believe he is from an affluent family as well. Perhaps there is a feud over the rights to her husband's estate, like Tolstoy has hinted between Vasily and Pierre over the estate Pierre stands to inherit. Although husband 
to widow seems a clear-cut line for line for an inheritance. Yes, I think Vasily is the one who's next in line to inherit it. Via his wife. Is that right? I can't remember. Rick Evans said this. I think the character of Princess Anna is really well drawn. When she first appears, she seems rather grasping, but I think that in these scenes, we see someone who is past the point of feeling any humiliation in the quest to get what is best for her son. As he is also Count Bezikov's godson, it looks like there will be another very interested party in the will and testament of Pierre's father. Vera's another interesting character. It seems unclear what her feelings or her motivations are, although she is clearly somewhat of an outcast within the Rostov ranks. I felt sorry for her in the last chapter, but here I agree she seemed rather cold. Um, Samantha Crew said, I don't know if it's intentionally humorous, but this bit is really funny. After Anna Mikhailovna spends a couple of minutes venting about her poor position in life and how she's so hard done by, she asks a servant to fetch her son from another room in this huge castle. I think the juxtaposition, juxtaposition I enjoy. Excellent observation, says Warren Gavoffi. Yeah, I don't know if that was intentional either, um, but I definitely played it up in my version of it, in the uh, Andrew Lewis translation. Um, this is the paragraph in my version. It was all up to her. There was no one else left to help her, being so underprivileged and alone in the world. She sent a servant to fetch her son from across the gigantic mansion which they were able to live in whenever they fancied. Obviously, she wasn't going to waste her time trekking one into the other. And then went into the anteroom with him, ready to travel in their private carriage to an even bigger mansion before returning back to this mansion for a free banquet feast with 80 of the richest people in Moscow. Um, that was my my version. So I tried to, you know, amp it up a little bit. Pierre sounds like the kind of company Count Rostov wants around, says Warren Kovofi. And I don't think Pierre can resist rubbing elbows with these affluent Muscovites. It's like Anna Pavlovna's salon, but on a much bigger stage. Pierre created quite the scandal up in Petersburg, but being the heir to such a massive fortune and because of his growing reputation, I'm sure the Rostovs and their company will be eager to receive him. Um, okay, Zerkov with the line comparison. Briggs, clearly not the favourite one. P&V, obviously not her favourite. Garnet, unmistakably not her favourite. Maud, evidently not a favourite. It's interesting, the subtle differences between the, her, a, it goes a lot, very long way in determining what Tolstoy meant. What translation are you reading? Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Look, here's the thing. I've been translating <clears throat> into Bogan War and Peace, as you know. Um, and I've, I've been translating from Maud <clears throat> into Bogan Aussie. And... I picked up another copy. I picked up the PNV translation uh, in a paperback the other day so that when I got to a bit where I didn't know exactly what it meant, I could switch to the PNV and read it in that one and see if it was worded in a more modern or an easier to understand way. 
And what I keep finding is that if there's a bit of a sentence or a bit of a paragraph which I don't understand that little, you know, that little uh, bite, that little bite of it, the sentence in PNV will still contain that exact little bite with the rest of the sentence rearranged around it. And I just, it really seems to me, and it happens time and time again, every time there's one little bit of the sentence, one little bite that's unclear what that, those three words there, what do they mean together? Those three words will remain intact in the PNV one. So I just feel like PNV was doing exactly what I was doing. And <clears throat> when I reach a bit that I don't exactly know what it is, I will sometimes just leave that little bite of the sentence intact and rearrange the sentence, you know, around it. And I just I just feel like all these English translations were just taking Maud and rewording it slightly. That's what I feel like. Probably not. You know, they're probably all taking the Russian and rewording it. That's fine. But, um, yeah, it just seems like too much of a coincidence that that keeps happening. <clears throat> but one thing that gives me great pleasure... <clears throat> excuse me, I've got a frog in my throat, is um, when I'm able to take a bit that I don't understand. This happened the other day, actually. You know this if you listen to the podcast. So maybe I shouldn't say this anecdote. Anyway, there was a bit, I can't even remember what it was. I didn't get it um, in Maud. So I looked it up in PNV and that whole snippet had just been taken off the sentence. PNV just omitted like the second half of a sentence because it was riddled with words that were really obscure and hard to understand. So they just they just snipped it off. And then the only place I could find what those words meant, what that little bit meant, was in a conversation in a previous year of War and Peace on this very subreddit. And then I was able to word it in plain English and restore meaning to that sentence. And I'll tell you what, it just feels like, you know, I haven't read all the different English translations, but to have... You know, out of the three that I know, Maud, PNV, and mine, to have the only one that I can make sense of, I, it makes me feel really good. It makes me feel like I'm doing a good thing here with my translation. <clears throat> All right. Anyway, let's continue. Just boasting about how awesome I am. <laughs> M-C said, Vasily seems to play the game sparingly, only so much as he is expected to because of his high-ranking position and what he needs to do to maintain it. By contrast... Mikhailovna is playing the game out of necessity and desperation, so she's absolutely on it 24-7 and always working a room or bending an ear. Yeah, and I think the thing to remember is Vasily is very influential. You know, he's very high-ranking and he's in a very good position. He's from a great family, you know, so he doesn't need favours, really. I mean, everyone will need favours, but he gets asked favours more often than he needs them. But often the favor he's asked is to use his his connections because, you know, he can put in a good word straight to the emperor. He's that uh, influential that he can speak to the emperor on your behalf. So he's constantly being asked to do so. Um, but and also to Kutuzov, who's like the commander in chief of the Russian army. So these are like the big dogs. These are the big players, you know. So he's got massive influence, but. Also, if he's constantly asking people for favours, the emperor is not going to want him around if every time he sees him, Vasily's asking, oh, by the way, my, you know, my great niece wants a new baseball bat or <laughs> whatever, you know. So um, he's got to spend his influence wisely because otherwise he could lose his rank. 
But Anna Mikhailovna is kind of at the other end of the scale. She's not very influential. She is in these circles, but um, she doesn't have the means to be doing people favors. So, and also she, she is desperate too. She is desperate too. She genuinely needs to help her young boy, Boris. Dakarishi said this, As tired as everyone seems to be with Vera, I'm remembering that she's still younger than Boris and Nikolai. Is that right? I always think of her as the eldest. But... Anyway, Stained Glass Eyes said, It's pretty challenging to follow what the hell is going on, but I'm trying my best. I'm going to sit down on my day off and review everything so far and create a few pages of the different families and characters. I was feeling pretty bad for Vera, this chapter, but at the same time, I feel like she deserves it. I need to sort out this confusion. These discussions help immensely. Definitely feeling a little lost and trying to get back on track. You know what I'll do is a, um, a recap, and I won't do it today. I'll do it um, maybe in another chapter or two. A recap up until this point. And it's really easy for me to do that because I've got a copy. It's a Maud paperback, and it's destroyed because it's the one I read in the first year. But the best thing about it was at the start of each book, it has a summary of every chapter upcoming, which is stupid really because it just spoils all the upcoming chapters but when you flick back to it at the end of the book go back and recap them that way it's actually really good so i'll read you those recaps up until you know whatever chapter um, we're up to and that should be really happy happy (laughs) that should be really helpful real skydiver said and this is i think this is the vip um comment of the day vera is meg from family guy (laughs) Just kind of annoying for no reason. Twisted every way, said, poor Vera. My take was that she was not going to show that she was hurt or upset in front of her mother and a guest. She was all politeness and ease, but then turned around and mean-girled the other four kids. To me, this says she was obviously hurt and took it out on someone else. We've all been there, Vera, who is the mysterious Berg mentioned a few times. You know, I think... um I just think... I really think it's just like water off a duck's back for her. I don't think she was upset. She just um, kind of shrugs it off and thinks it's just the way it is, you know. Mum always says these things. She kind of puts her mum in her place. She says, you know, if you don't want me here, you can always just ask me to leave kind of thing, rather than being a dick about it. Not in those exact words. but As a matter of fact... This is a response to a comment, but I won't read the comment before because I I feel like the response is more apt. But this is something good to note. Corsio says this. As a matter of fact, in Russia, women could own property, while not every Western European country gave them such rights. There are even records of civil lawsuits filed by women against their own husbands. Something interesting to note as we continue through this book. Women weren't as powerless as you might sort of assume. All right. I think... I think let's keep reading. Yeah? We've read enough comments. I think we're all ready to continue. Literature fan says this. I'll go one more. This is right down the bottom. It's the most recent comment. In an earlier chapter, Prince Vasily has the thought that influence is used sparingly. I think Anna is what we call a helicopter parent nowadays. Ah, interesting. She's too involved in her son's life. Maybe. Maybe. Could be the case. Although Boris doesn't seem to begrudge her of it. At least we haven't seen anything like that so far. 
Let's read chapter 15 slash chapter 12 if you're not reading Maud. Chapter 15 goes like this. Boris, darling, said Princess Anna Mikhailovna to her son as they made their way to Count Vladimirovich Bezukov's house. Count Rostova's carriage, which they were sitting in, turned off the straw-covered street and into Bezukov's swanky-as-all-hell courtyard. My dear Boris, said the mother, moving her hand to her son's arm, do be sure to kiss Bezukov's ass, really kiss it, because, well, because he is your godfather and he might give us a bunch of free shit. Remember that, okay? And kiss his ass like I've taught you how to all these years. Yeah, Mum, I promised you already I would, said Boris bitterly. It's just, oh, this is going to be so humiliating. The hall porter, seeing a carriage roll into the entrance, stared and scrutinised the mother and son who arrived. Without asking to be announced, they came straight in anyway, through the glass porch between rows of statues in niches. He looked at her cloak, it looked old and a bit ratty, and asked whether they wanted to see the Count or the Princesses, and hearing that they were after the Count, he started up explaining that the Count was really sick today and wasn't receiving anyone. Oh, might as well head back then, said the son in French. My dear, said the mother, putting her hand on his arm again as if to urge him not to be a pussy about things. Boris shut his gob then, but gave his mother a doubtful look without taking off his cloak. My friend, said Anna Mikhailovna gently to the hall porter, listen, I know Count Cyril Vladimirovich is really sick. That's why I'm here. I'm a relation. I won't be a bother. You'll be glad I came. I'm here to see Prince Vasily Sergovich. He's staying here, right? Please, let him know I'm here. The hall porter looked pissy, but did it anyway, pulling a bell that rang upstairs, then turning away. Princess Trubetskaya to see Prince Vasily Sergovich, he called to a footman dressed in knee breeches and a swallowtail coat, who ran downstairs and looked over from the halfway landing. The lady smoothed her dyed silk dress, looking into a massive Venetian mirror in the wall, and then in her worn-out old shoes she took to the carpeted stairs. Sweetie, she said to her son, again touching his arm, you promised me. The son wasn't stoked about it, but he followed her anyway, quietly. They entered the large hall from which one of the doors led to the apartments assigned to Prince Vasily. They quickly got a bit lost in the massive hall and were just about to ask an elderly footman for directions. He had jumped up as they entered, but at that moment the bronze handle of one of the doors turned and out came Prince Vasily, wearing a velvet coat with a single star on his breast, as was the norm for him when at home, and seeing out a fairly sexy dark-haired man. This sexy beast was the celebrated Petersburg Dr. Lorraine. So you're sure, though, said the prince. Mate, humanum et erreri, to err is human. But, replied Dr. Sex, swallowing his R's and pronouncing the Latin words with a French accent. Yeah, righto, righto. Prince Vasily spotted Anna Mikhailovna and her son, dismissed the doctor with a bow, and approached them with an expression that asked, You guys right there? Boris noticed that his mother's face suddenly went all sorrowful and soppy, and he couldn't help but smile a little. Ah, Prince, such an awful situation. How is the poor darling? She said as if she couldn't see him staring daggers at her. Prince Vasily continued his dagger glare, though now his expression also held a hint of what the hell are you doing here, and a shade of what's that god-awful smell. Boris performed his most polite bow, 
Prince Vasily ignored it entirely, looked Anna Mikhailovna in the face, and did the tiniest little movement of his head and lips, clearly indicating with this slight gesture that the old man was not going to make it. Ah, oh, you're kidding, aren't you? said Anna Mikhailovna. How awful, just awful. And, oh, this is my son, she added, grabbing Boris's sleeve. He wanted to thank you. Boris bowed politely again. Prince, seriously, a mother's heart, she touched her chest, will never forget what you have done for us. No worries, I'm glad I could help you out of your poor situation, said Prince Vasily, arranging his lace frill, and in his tone and the general look of him, it was clear that here in Moscow he assumed a much greater air of importance than he had done in Petersburg. Plus, now she owed him one. Try to do a good job, don't muck about, added he, addressing Boris very seriously, and, yeah, glad to help. You here on leave, he asked, in his usual tone of no given fuckery. I'm waiting for my orders to join the regiment, Your Excellency, replied Boris, and it was brilliant the way he made it completely impossible to tell whether he was annoyed by Prince Vasily's douchey attitude or not. It was clear Vasily had no desire to talk to them, but all that was like but all that was like water of a duck's back to Boris, who spoke so quietly and respectfully that the prince gave him a bit of a double-take glance. "'Are you living with your mother?' "'I am living at Countess Rostova's,' replied Boris. And again he added, "'Your Excellency.' "'You know, with Ilya Rostov, he married Natalia Shinshina,' said Anna Mikhailovna. "'Yep, I know the Rostovs,' said Prince Vasily in his bored voice. I never got that. Why'd she, Natalie, marry that unlicked bear? He acts like no one owns him. He's a stupid fucker, that Count Rostov, and a gambler, and a wankstain. That's what I heard, at least. I don't really know him. He's a good man, really, Prince, said Anna Mikhailovna, with a shithouse smile, as if she knew Count Rostov was kind of a wankstain, but wanted Prince Vasily to ease up on the poor old fella. What are the doctors saying? asked the princess. After a pause, her haggard old face adopting an expression of overt sorrow yet again. "'There's no easy way to put this,' said the prince. "'But they reckon he's cactus.' "'I'd really like to say thank you to Uncle before he passes, for all his kindness to me and Boris. "'He is his godson,' she added, her tone suggesting that Prince Vasily should be rapt to hear this. "'Prince Vasily was thinking so hard he frowned a bit. Anna Mikhailovna figured out why immediately. He was afraid of finding in her a rival for Count Bezikov's fortune. She quickly tried to reassure him. If we weren't so damned devoted to Uncle, she said, uttering the word carefully and confidently, I know how he is. He's a true blue legend, noble, fair dinkum, but he's only got those young princesses with him now. They're still so young. She bent her head close to Vasily and whispered, as he completed his final duty, Prince, it's very important, unction, I mean. He's got to do the right thing in his final moments. It can't hurt, and it really is very important, if he really is, you know, cactus. Us women, Prince, and she gave a big warm smile, we know how to say these things. I really should see him, no matter how painful it is for me. I'm used to suffering. Evidently, the Prince was picking up what she was putting down, he also was picking up, just as he had at Anna Pavlovna's, that this shit stain of a human was perfectly willing to stick to him all day until she got her way. I'm just worried it might be a bit much for him, he said, furiously scraping his shoes against the carpet. 
Let's wait until evening. The doctors are expecting things to kick off. No, let's not muck around, Prince. Time is ticking. Think about it. The fate of his soul is at stake. Oh, it's not easy, the duties of a Christian. The door to one of the inner rooms opened, and one of the princesses, the Count's niece, came through with an ice-cold expression. She had a really long body and short legs, which looked pretty funny. (laughs) Sorry, I cracked myself up just then. (laughs) I'm sure that's not in the original. She had really long... (laughs) Of all the stuff that makes me laugh, it's always the goofy bits. She had a really long body and short legs, which looked pretty funny. Prince Vasily turned to her. Well, how is he? Still not looking good, but what can you expect with all this racket? Said the princess, looking at Anna Mikhailovna as at a stranger. Ah, darling, I hardly recognised you, said Anna Mikhailovna, with a bright smile, moving lightly over to the Count's niece. I'm here to help. I'm at your service whilst you nurse my uncle. You must be feeling awful, are you? Now she wore an expression of sympathy. The princess didn't say anything back. She didn't smile either. She instead left the room quickly while Anna Mikhailovna took off her gloves and settled into an armchair, inviting Prince Vasily to do the same, having won the room. Boris, sweetie, she said to her son, smiling, I'm going in to see the Count, my uncle, but you'd better go see Pierre, meanwhile. Don't forget to invite him to the Rostovs for dinner, although he probably won't go, she continued, turning to the prince. On the contrary, replied the prince, whose expression had grown emo now. I'd be rapt if you get rid of the little fucker for me. He's here all the time, yet the count hasn't asked for him once. He shrugged his shoulders. A footman led Boris down one flight of stairs and up another to Pierre's rooms. There you go. There's chapter 15 for you. Another chapter down. Things are kicking off now. I love um, Anna Mikhailovna versus Vasily. <laughs> I think anytime those two meet, it's just uh, the, the the kind of mental warfare they wage on each other is hilarious. All right, guys, that's that chapter for you. Thanks very much for listening. Have your say on the subreddit, and I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>